calm and sure grittiness. It starts with an attitude. We need swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ, Zach, and Raj. Hey there. Hey, hey, hey. We got the full top line together tonight, and Woo. it's been a rough one, right? Zach was just talking about his calculator. And uh, Calculator <laughs> alarm? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I Instead of setting my alarm, I set my calculator to wake me up. I just up spilled Red Bull all over my desk. Because of booze. <laughs> And I left my car running in a parking garage today on the for 11, for 11 hours. hours on the final day of my 10-day boot camp, first leg of the 10-day boot camp for a new job. Our brains are fried, and Amazing. we're here to yeah, we're here to talk uh, fantasy advice, I guess. So we're here to tell you what to <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. So take it with a grain of salt. We are Five Hole Fantasy Hockey. You guys can find us on Twitter. At FHF Hockey, you can join the Discord. And we got we got listener leagues coming up, too. Uh, Yahoo just opened up their platform, yeah, I guess, sure for like mock drafts and shit. So we're going to be having listener leagues and stuff. If you want to join, hit us up in the Discord. DM us on Twitter. Get in contact somehow. If you don't have Twitter, you don't have Discord. We got an email. I think it's FHFHradio at gmail.com. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I did leave my car on for 11 hours today. So Were you in the car the whole time? Fuck that- no. I was, I was at work. It was just running in the parking garage, man. I was, I was like ready to dive into all the trash bags to see if I threw my keys out by accident. But anyway, we're, today, today we're talking about the Atlantic. Uh, we, we, where we left off in part one, we talked about Tampa, Detroit, Buffalo, and Florida. So we got Toronto, Boston, Ottawa, Montreal today. Where do you guys want to kick off? Do you want to start off with Toronto? You want to save them for last? What do you want to do? Toronto. Sure. No, we can, we can start off with Toronto. Let's do it. I will say this: Toronto is so much worse yeah. than they were a year That's ago. That's my my first first note on my list. They are they're just so much worse. They were stacked the past couple of years, and they did nothing with it. Yeah, they lost Joe Thornton, Freddie Anderson, Zach Bogosian, Nick Foligno, Zach Hyman. Uh, they brought in Nick Ritchie, Curtis Gabriel, Michael Bunting, Andre Kasha. There's like a ton of behind-the-scenes players that they picked up. You didn't even say Freddie Anderson. I know maybe that doesn't mean anything to you, but now now you got Peter friggin' Morazic. I don't understand that move. They didn't actually trade goalies with Carolina, but they traded goalies with yeah. Carolina. I don't. I don't like it at all for Toronto. Actually, like at least F- Freddie no. was their number one guy, and he might not have been doing very well, but he was the number one guy. And now you got. And Campbell came in and did great. Like he really was played a great role for most of the part. And then we bring in Mrazek, who wants to be number one all the time. It seems like a weird, weird choice for goalies. And if he's not, he's just gonna throw a hissy fit. So yeah, he does kind of have that stigma, doesn't he? Like I need to be the I need to be the starter. I wanna I'm gonna play. Yeah, I'm taking my net and I'm going home. <laughs> so all right, so let's talk about Campbell, man. Like you said, he had a hell of a run. That's what it was. It was it was a pretty short run in a short season. At the top, what is the ratio of Mrazic to Campbell? Like, 
for me, I got, I got Mrazek lining up as the number one based on pedigree and everything. But I guess last year, 22 games for Campbell, 17 wins, only three losses. He had a 921, pretty good stats all around, but 22 games. I'm not ready to like pen somebody in for, for, okay, this is the goalie. This is who you are after 22 games. I don't know if Mrazek's an upgrade. That's the thing. Like, I thought, if anything, they could have just... He's, he's not. They could have done the shit. We have, like, a, a $2 million number one goalie. Could have helped them out in other ways, you know? Mrazek benefited immensely from Carolina's play style. You know how we were talking about Freddie in the Metro division. Okay, Freddie's going to get Carolina's defense. The opposite happens for Mrazek. He's losing Carolina's defense, their possession game. And now he's falling into Toronto's defensive game, which hasn't been their strong suit. I could, I wish I could say like as of late, but just hasn't been their strong suit as of a long time. Yeah, like my lifetime. And it's not like their defense really got any better. Bogo was, he was, I mean, he was something else. He's kind of just a, he was a big banger, big body. There's nothing huge that's like, okay, Mrazic's going to be fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it for them. They're a good team, though, right? Like, they're going to score enough goals. But are they going to score more goals than they did before? I don't, I, don't, I don't really know that they are. I liked their offense. They had more They had more depth before than they do now. So what tells you that they're going to score as many goals or more goals than they did before? For me, nothing. Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews is going to keep having to continue to be fan friggin tastic Which I think he will. Mitch Marner took a little step back this year, or this past year. You can't replace, you know, Zach Hyman with Nick Ritchie and think that everything's going to be all in good. I'm kind of excited about Nick Ritchie again. They don't exactly play the same kind of game. You can't throw Michael Bunting in there and think it's going to be all good. They don't play the same game. They're losing part of what they are, especially that line. Yeah, let's talk about it. Who is going to take Zach Hyman's spot? That's kind of like, that's kind of the question that we have to ask about Toronto going into you know a fantasy season and who gets left wing one I like Nick Ritchie there I think he plays a you know a good checking game he's a strong body he's got some offensive flair he's not going to get top power play but then again neither did Zach Hyman and Hyman was still putting up like 55 plus point seasons pace at least but is it Bunting is it Mishiev is it Kasha is it Simmons is it Nylander there's so many different possibilities I actually hope it's one guy that you didn't name at all and Alexander Kerfoot. Mm. I'd rather it be Robertson than Kerfoot. I, yeah. Kerfoot just feels like VC to me. Jimmy fucking uh, VC. Don't don't ever say something <laughs> like that again. Nobody's Jimmy VC except for Jimmy freaking. I just VC. I just don't, I don't I don't get excited about Alexander Kerfoot. You know, like I don't think there's a ton there. If he gets top line one, like left wing one, sure. I'll be interested, but... Like, if Alexander Kerfoot ever followed us, he just unfollowed us because you said that he is Jimmy V. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Richie seems like a pretty deliberate replacement for Hyman. I, I mean, he... So and he Ugh. did he did spend time on Boston's wicked power play, and he did fine. He did fine for the first month, yeah. I don't see him being on Toronto's power play, but he, he can slip in there if they need him to. I mean, he hits like a monster. Um, like, he has double the hits of what Hyman had. So he's he's even more that way. I think he's a step, slight step back offensively, but it was a deliberate get to replace Hyman. He might not be as good in the corners. He has the closest build to Hyman. So I think there is a, a real chance. Like he's one of two. And I think Mishiev 
is somebody that should get some kind of consideration for a left wing one too, because I like his checking game. He could be somebody that goes up there, but just the sheer amount of names that we're talking about, maybe it's just, maybe it's a, you know, rotating door or whatever that thing's called. My brain's not working. What's that rotating door that goes into like malls and stuff? What's that called? Is it like a rotating door? Like a, like a turnstile? <laughs> I, I don't know. Whatever. You know, one of them rotating yeah. doors. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the circle door, you know? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, if, if there was somebody that I kind of see like a Zach Hyman, I wish they would have gone after like a Nick Schmaltz because Nick Schmaltz is a Zach Hyman-esque player. You know, they were just fucking fire sale. Yeah. I'm sure they could have gotten him. He plays a similar sort of game. That's somebody I would have liked to have seen them go after. That's my personal Still opinion. big bangers like Curtis Gabriel that could maybe just bang their way onto line one. I mean, if fucking Joe Thornton can be first line left wing, then any of these guys. There's a ton of hype around Michael Bunting. Like, do we buy into it? He, what did he have? He had uh, 10 goals in 21 games with Arizona. Played five games in Arizona in 18-19. Scored one goal. Went back to the AHL. Could not crack Arizona's lineup in 19-20. Then he played 21 games this past season. 10 goals, 38 shots, 17 minutes-ish, under two shots a game. Three of these 10 goals were power play goals. He saw a decent chunk of Arizona's power play. In our Discord, there's a ton of love for Michael Bunting. That he's a very much boom or bust kind of guy. Bust. I know it's like a way different situation. Arizona, it's like, hey, just go do whatever you want. We got nothing going on. You go out, try to score every time. It's not that way in Toronto for him. I just don't. His role is going to be so different. I don't think he could even compare. TJ, he's doing this behind a a career, you know, career twenty six game, twenty five point six shooting percentage. Picks good shots. We're talk about boom or bust. I mean, come on. You extrapolate that into a full season, there is no way he stays, you know, 25%. There's no way he stays over 20. I'll make that bet right now. I just don't think you can be, like, you can't claim the goal scorer on Austin Matthews' line. There's a guy that scores goals on that line. That's what he does. I don't know if there's a ton there. He was great in the AHL. I think he was second for the Roadrunners or some shit. If he gets top line, I'm in. The way the hype is around him, people are people are going to draft this guy. You know what I mean? In 12 teams, I'm not Ooh. there. Yeah, I'm not there. Watch oh, list? You. Sure. I'm putting them on a, on a fucking watch list. I'm putting all these guys on my watch list. Bunting, Kasha, fucking uh, Nick Ritchie, all of them. All of them on the watch list. I don't think any of them touch my roster on draft day. No. Andre Kasha could be driving a delivery truck this year, and he'd be on your watch list. <laughs> yes, this is true. I still have some unrequited love for him. I, I can remember the word unrequited, but I can't remember what a fucking circle door is. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Yeah, man. Nick Ritchie, we talked about him. Let, I want to talk about um, the top power play quarterback. I think it's 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 going to be Morgan Riley, right? Yes. Like he's going to be he's going to be QB1 going yes. into the year. Started the year. His first half, 31 power play point pace. The second half, he had one power play point in the entire second half. There's a, there's a bunch there. The whole team sucked on the power play. The whole fucking team. Yeah, the first half, they were 32% on the power play. The second half, they were 5 for 73. 7%. So it, it's a whole team thing. Systemic. They tried Rasmus Sandin out. A lot of people got Rasmus Sandin in like a sleeper category right now. 
should we consider him a sleeper if he takes power play one? Or is this like one of those go hop and grab the guy who takes power play one after the draft? Are you guys willing to swing on Sandine in a draft? What's the deal? I'm not drafting Sandine. I mean, I think you could draft Sandine, you know, in your late, late, late rounds. Like you can pick him up and, you know, in the 20th round and I could see that, but I'm not drafting him like early on. Oh, and by the way, isn't it called a revolving door? Revolving door, that's what it is. Yes, thank you. Jesus. Did you Google it? Did you Google it for me? (laughs) Circle door. No, I thought of it. Circle door. Yeah, revolving door. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, boy. On the Google machine. (laughs) All right, back, back to goalies now. Mrazic to Campbell. No, I think we can done. We, I mean, we're I done. We, know. Can fig- we figured out what that is. I think the episode's I over. I want to know what you guys think the start ratio is. Is this a 50-50? I honestly think it should be 50-50, but I, Dubas never does what I like. Like I think they're going to really push for Mrazic to look like a number one and just shove Campbell back in the corner and probably end up like a 60-40 by the time the year's over, but I think it's going to be very unstable. Mrazic doesn't do well unless it's like a good defensive team. We we saw him here for, what, three games, Zach, in, in Philly when we had nine goalies that year. Didn't look great. Didn't look great. I mean, I don't think you have to treat him like, why do you have to treat him like a number one? A 1A. You're not paying him like automatic number one. Nope. You're paying him like a timeshare goalie. That's the Toronto tax. So play him like a timeshare goalie. Play the hot hand. Yep. Why Why put yourself into a hole and say, this is our number one goalie? You don't have to. They don't have. To. You're only paying him, what, like three and a half million a year or something really like that? Really not much. Yeah, really not much. But that's the Toronto tax. You can't, yeah. you can't get money unless you're one of the core four. I think more than any other team, like the GM works so closely with the coach. And he was brought in to be number one. And I think they're going to ride that hard until it fails. Well, there, there's a difference between a starter and a backup and a 1A and a 1B. A 1A, 1B is like a, you know, a number one power play and a two power play on a 50-50 model. Or a workhorse is like a starter. I think this is going to be 1A, 1B, and I have Mrazic in the 1A position. So it seems like a pretty good tandem to lock up, too, for wins, you know. Maybe not rate stats. Yeah. I just because yeah. I don't buy the, the Jack Campbell thing yet, man, like – I need to see more. I need to see more. You, you, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a whole different game. It's tough. Top targets. This one's easy, right? Your usual suspects. Usual suspects. You got the core four. Austin Matthews just had wrist surgery. Six weeks. Should be a participant in camp. I think, you know, nothing changes on draft day. Nothing. Just draft him normal. He won the Rocket Richard by eight goals in a shortened season. He was on a 65-goal pace. Done. Done. Mitch Marner. Tons of hate this year. Tons of hate. Uh, played poorly. Dude, he was so good. He had more points than Matthews. <laughs> yeah, he was so it was like, a hundred point pace this year. Like, yeah. Yeah, perfect. If if people are, you know, upset about how he played last year and you know, he he was on the downturn and there was all you know, there really was a lot of hate going on with him. Good. Good. That sounds perfect. You're telling me I can get him at a discounted rate? Great. I was very surprised that he had almost half a hit a game. Wow. I'm surprised hearing that. 
Yeah, and he's almost a block a game. I mean, not quite, but he's about 0.8 blocks a game. Like, I didn't realize he was <laughs> he played outside of the offensive end, but I guess he does do a lot of penalty killing, so that's probably where he gets more blocks than you'd expect, but those two are automatic. The power play didn't even really affect him too much. The second half during that power play drought that I brought up earlier, he was still on a 91-point pace, and he was on a 108-point pace while the power play was clicking. He's a good even strength player. I'm not really worried about Marner too much. He's going to land in that 90 to 100 point range again. Done deal. Like he said, it was a definitely a team power play slump because looking at it here, like Riley, who we were saying was so dry, Matthews had one more power play point than Riley all year. So their power play is going to be just fine. It was weirdly bad. If there's one thing Toronto should have is a good power play. And for whatever Five reason, they didn't. For 73. Five for seven. Crazy. Brutal. Yes, and I'm good. When we get to number three, when we get to the third top target here, for me it's it's starting to get a little gray. Because I feel like the answer is John Tavares. But I'm not so sure anymore. Well the answer for me is John Tavares. In his three years in Toronto, eighty eight point pace, seventy eight point pace, seventy three point pace. Power play points dropped, power play time on ice dropped, total time on ice went down. A minute 20. Shots on goal per game went down under three for the first time since his rookie year. He has been declining everywhere. And his per game stats are going to drop as the time on ice drops. But are you guys worried? This is weird. I think it'll be better than last year, actually. Another guy was surprised at his hit numbers, like a hit a game. I, th- I think Tavares will do better than he did last year. He's always Definitely. been kind of vanilla for me. Yeah, I've never been excited about him. And just kind of like, oh, I guess I need a center. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he's still just around, you know, just below, just above, you know, right around a point-per-game player. Kind of. I mean, kind of. 73 <laughs> points. I mean, it's relative what you mean by around a point-per-game player. Okay, so last year he had 50 points in 56 games. Yep, 73 points. The year pace. before that he had 60 points in 63 games. 78-point pace. Okay. Year before that, 88 and 82, 84 and 82. You know, he is right around, just over, just under, a point per game pace. Yeah, and I said kind of. How is that a bad thing? I'm not saying it's a bad I mean, it's looking at his linear progression, it's going down every year. So I'm just like, I've never liked having John Tavares, so I'll be fine not having him again this year. But he probably should bounce back a little bit. I don't know if I got point per game in his future, but, you know, 75 to 80, that makes sense. And the one thing I would say is he's probably the least wanted of all the good players on Toronto. Like, he does, his ADP is quite low. I have more fun with Nylander yeah. on my team. Like, I enjoy Nylander. I'm, like, he's not vanilla. No. And Nylander's like 60 to 70 point pace over the last few years. He's, I mean, he's always a good bet for that. Yeah, Tavares is like, oh, shit, I forgot to get a center, kind of. <laughs> yep. But he is good. I don't know that anybody has ever said, I forgot to get a center. I fade centers, man. Yeah. I did in our last draft. I wound up with, uh, like, Malkin and Barzell. Felt pretty good about it. Felt pretty good about that. You hate Barzell. It was a points league. I'm fine with it. Is Nylander a front runner for the left wing one spot? Or do you think they keep him with Tavares? You'd have to think they keep him with Tavares. Sure dries up the second line if he's not there. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's like a Colorado top line, you know? Yeah, very similar, actually. Very similar top six. And why is Mishiev not, you know, in the running for being in that top six? I fucking brought his why name not? up twice. I think he, he's he's the closest thing to Hyman that they have. So I think Mishiev is kind of a dark horse for that. Everybody's got, mm-hmm. you know, they're penciling, bunting in. DFO has Nick Ritchie on line one. I think it could be Mishiev. I think it could. It's going to be a ton of players. Like, yeah, there's not going to so. be one set guy. They're going to try out the 14 players that they picked up this year. Like Josh Ho saying, like they picked up everybody for super cheap. Yeah. Josh they did. They got him. Yeah. Like who did they get? Kasha, Mishiev, Richie, Gabriel, Kerfoot, Engvall, Robertson, Nylander, Kasha, Simmons, Hosang. All those guys are vying for two top six left wing spots. You said so Kasha I mean, twice. Robertson too, right? It doesn't that doesn't make him doubly viable? <laughs> Funny enough, I wrote Mishiev twice, so like, I'm all over the place, man. My my whole life, I wrote Kasha twice too. Fuck, holy hell! Oh boy. But anyway, it, it just made it sound like more people. But there's a ton of people that are that are like trying to get you know those top two spots. Morgan Riley, what do you guys think for him this year? He you know, like I was saying, he had one power play point in his second half. He had a 31-point power play point pace in his first half of the year. Do we think he's a 50-plus point defenseman? Yes. Me too. Yes. I was going to say 55-plus. So do I, even though he was disappointing to have last year. I was just going to say, I had him about 55. Things are just a little more clear on D this year. Like I expect more from him and... That's going to have a lot to do with how the team does, to be honest. If he's clicking, the team will be very good. If he's not clicking, they're in trouble. And Nick Robertson. He's a natural left wing. He could be in the running. He's one of their top prospects. Sandine as well. Kind of already talked about Rooney on Amirov. Just to cap off. I don't think we see Amirov. No shot. They got like 15 left wings this year. So I don't think we see any of these guys. Uh, you guys ready to move on to Ottawa? Yeah, the only thing I would say about uh, Toronto as a sort of a dark horse peripheral guy as a streamer is Justin Hall. He really started to put up some some defensive numbers last year, hit some blocks. Obviously not a scorer, but he's a guy to keep an eye on in, in terms of like bangers leagues. And you love Muzzin. All right, on that note, it's definitely time to move on to Ottawa. <laughs> Bottom of the barrel, which is kind of what people think about Ottawa. Uh, they were 14-11-4 in the second half. They're nowhere near as bad as people think. Nowhere near as bad. In the final quarter of the season, they were 10-5-1. They played spoiler heavy. Either they got like shitty lucky or they are finally starting to turn a corner. Pretty much everybody that, that we got excited about last year, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, I mean, Brady Kachuk goes without saying, but like there was a lot of unsustainability on that team. So maybe they were just getting lucky. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. They still got Murray in net, but I don't think they're going to be icky. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think this is a team that that we should feel bad about drafting anymore. There's there's some really good players on this team. I want to I want to kick it off talking about Murray. Oh, why? <laughs> just to get it out of the way, he I guess. Stinks. <laughs> no, I don't I know. I mean, he's, well, their goalie situation is awful all around. Yeah. He's He's one of the only workhorses left. There's Vasilevsky, there's Murray. In volume leagues, he's going to be great. Only time anyone's ever going to mention Murray and Vasilevsky back-to-back like that. 
without the word antithesis or opposite in there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Man, antithesis and uh, there you go. That that other word, I'm on a fucking roll except for revolving door. That is a twenty-five cent word. Gumballs. All right, so Murray's Murray's going to go into the season as a workhorse. He got hurt late in the season last year. He missed most of March. Missed a handful of games, like twenty games he missed. But he still started twenty-seven out of like thirty-five-ish forty that he was available for. He's going to get volume. It's either going to be Hogberg or Forsberg as the backup. It's going to be volume. And like I said, 10-5-1 in the final quarter, above 500 in the second half. This is not a terrible team. Like, they're middle of the pack. They're not playoffs. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just, I don't think that they're going to be hanging out with Buffalo and Arizona this year. I don't. No, they're much better. Top targets. Top targets. Who we got? Brady. Obviously. Brady. Now, the number two pick here, that's the interesting one. Well, I got plenty to say on Brady. I got plenty to say. He is a powder keg. He's a powder keg. Evolving Hockey has him as their second uh, behind Austin Matthews in an individual expected goals for. So he's taken dangerous shots. Since he's been in the league, he's top 10. He's number seven, just behind Patrick Kane and just ahead of guys that you might have heard of, McDavid, Ovechkin. They know how to score goals. He ranks who? 69th. Nice. Nice. <laughs> in actual goals, despite being fifth in shots on goals over the same span and seventh in the same span in expected goals for. This kid's going to explode. We were talking about it with Tyler Toffoli. He's just got too much shot volume to not be scoring goals. I got, I got 50 goals in his future. It's got to happen. It's got to happen one of these years. That's heavy. But the thing, the big difference with him is even, I'll take even, the under. even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't score, he's still incredibly valuable. Oh yeah, like it's crazy. If he if he starts scoring, it, he's he's the best player in the he's the best player in fantasy. We're talking about another Ovechkin, aren't we? At that rate, like if if we're getting if we're getting points on top of the hits, pims, and shots, that's that's like Ovechkin level. Dude, what was his hit pace? He had like two hundred and fifty this year. That's good in a full season. That's incredible in a full season. It was like two Radko Gudises. He's as good <laughs> as two Gudises. If you're in a banger league, Kachuk's a first round pick. Easy. Like if you took him top five, I'm not like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, I'm fine with that. Do it. Yeah. A bangers like categories league. If you have Pims, he's top five. Wow. He hits like three players combined. He shoots like two. He pims like three. It's fucking solid. All right, number two, Zach, you were saying this is a pretty interesting spot. I have mine pretty solidly in as number two. Who do you got? Tim Stutzla. Hmm. I can tell you were struggling at number two. He's my number five. I don't know about all that. I got Norris ahead of him. I have Tim Stutzla at number two. I have Thomas Shabbat at number three. Shabbat's my number two. Hmm. And then I have Drake Batherson at number four. Interesting. Josh Norris at number five. Yeah, I had Batherson second, actually, largely due to his hits. Yeah, uh, he does everything. And Shabbat a tight three for me. But I like, I mean, three, two, three, four, five's all pretty close to me. Yeah, it is a bit of a muck, a little potpourri of Ottawa. The first time I've ever liked them. I think that's sad that y'all are sleeping on the stutes. I think it's sad that you're so high on this dudes, man. Like, number two, I, I would rather have Batherson. I'd rather have Norris. Norris put up a 51-point pace rookie season. 
there's a good amount of pedigree there. He's going to be the 1C. Top line for me is Kachuk, Norris, and Batherson, who are my 1, 2, 3 forwards. It's probably the only team where none of us brought up their leading goal scorer in our top five, right? Who is Connor it? Brown. Well, he was the only guy to break 20 goals last year. Deeper targets, probably. Yeah. He always does that. He's always so quiet. Yeah, he he is a great streamer. Yeah. Oh. A great fucking streamer. Red Rocket, dude. If your league's Red deep Rocket. enough, he's just bottom of the roster. Like, He's like one of those worker bees, man. Like, You never have a problem with the guy. You just plug and play if you got room. Uh, okay, Shabbat. 64-point pace, 45-point pace, 52-point pace. It's kind of like a scatter plot going here around the 50-ish point mark. I think he's I think he's going to be great, especially if you're on a dynasty, man. Like Shabbat, Ottawa just keeps getting better. Their prospect pool Danny is insane. plays like 72 minutes a game. Oh, yeah. Dude, his, his, his per 60s are higher than 60. <laughs> I, I like him in the mid-rounds. Like it's, it's, he's always one of the, like, that jumble of defensemen. There's like two defensemen waves where like the you know top one and two tiers go, and then Shabbat's like there in the third tier. And he's, for me, he's like a mid-round, just solid. He, what is it, like one hit, one block-ish of each? Yeah, a little bit more. And then 50-point pace, like, that's solid. But he's always that kind of player that every time you draft him, everybody's like, oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Exactly. He's probably one of the best value picks, I would say. Year after year. Yep. Uh, Batherson, tons of red flags there. There's so much intrigue, though. Two hits a game, almost. Uh, 50 point pace, two shots a game. He's so much fun. Like, I love Batherson. He's mm-hmm. one of my guys. Stutzla, like you're saying, going into his sophomore year. Like, the team's getting better. So, uh, I'm okay with him, like, in my two, three, four, five ish range. I just like these guys, you know, in this order for me. And that's how it's going to be for everybody. I think, you know, the scarcity on D has Shabbat for me at number two. Deeper targets, you already talked about Connor Brown. I think Nick Paul's worth a mention just for the sheer hit volume the rest of the team after those five guys is kind of like just streamer plugs right if we're in 12 team leagues not uh not too high on michael del Zotto. no <laughs> no actually you know what a really i don't write this down anywhere but i wouldn't be surprised if austin watson is better he, he bangs a lot in you and he'd only had 12 minutes uh in the past so he might end up with, you know, he had 100 hits in 34 games playing 12 minutes. So he might end up with a bit more playing time. Who knows? But if he does, he's a great uh, guy to pick up if you need hits. I got Brady for my breakout this year just because of that powder keg on goals. I think it's going to happen. Maybe not this year. but Well, you know, he better get that shooting percentage up then. That's the thing. He shoots so fucking much. Like if he goes on a shooting percentage bender a la Tyler Toffoli, then we're talking like 40 plus goals easy with 50 goal upside. Like Jeez. I dude, Jeez. even if even if he score if he shoots at 20%, okay? And he takes 300 shots. What's the math there? He shoots there? at that's, fucking 20%. He That's 60 has goals. One season that's double digits. 20 fucking percent. I'm just saying if he goes on a shooting percentage bender, he's a 300 shot, what, shot like guy. Like a 7-7 last year or something. What is it? So what is it? give me one year of unsustainable shooting percentage. He touches 60. If he goes 20% on 300 shots, the math says 60. Look, I'm looking this shit up. Look it up. Get your fucking alarm out and, and do the math. <laughs> he did. 
seven seven point seven percent last year. Yes. Next year, if he shoots twenty percent, it's gonna go thirteen percent up. That's up. yeah. I guess if he just has this crazy okay. fucking look at that Tyler Toffoli. What happened to him? For the fucking ages. Look at Tyler Toffoli's shooting percentage. It shot Jesus. the fuck up this past year. Twenty fucking percent. If <laughs> oh my god, I said if 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 he shoots fifteen percent, we're still talking about forty five goals, dude. He shoots a lot. So much that even if he uh, like twelve percent, it's still thirty six goals. He does goals. shoot a lot. I'll give I'll give you that. Yes. So if he you know has a decent season on shooting percentage, the goals are gonna like fucking double. If he goes, what did you say seven seven point seven? So if he doubles that, which would still be like in the kind of realm of normalish. Like if he went sixteen percent, that's not like oh my god, sell high. No, it's. Okay, he's shooting 16% now. And that's like 48 goals or whatever the fucking alarm math is. Whatever, man. Brady's going to (laughs) fucking, he's going to explode. What's Tyler Toffoli? His his shooting percentage was like 5.8, and then it was like 19 this year or some shit. Yeah, and I don't think that Tyler Toffoli is sustainable in any way. So give me an unsustainable year of Brady, and he fucking hits 50 goals, no problem. Yeah, but a breakout is suggesting that, like, that's who he is and that's who he will be moving forward. Yeah, yeah, he will be. That's the guy. Yeah. He's going to so, be a 20% shooter. He's going to be forward. like 15-ish, okay? And 15% on 300 shots is still 45 goals. He's one of my favorite players in fantasy. Like, easy. Fuck off, everybody. Anyway. <laughs> fucking rude. Wet bandit looking ass. All right, Boston. Yeah, are we good? Are you sure. guys done in Ottawa? You go to Boston. Boston. What's wrong with wet bandits? More maybe Nothing. a sticky bandit sort of guy. It's like wet bandits. Like I don't know. Sticky bandits are better. Jack Eichel and Brady Kachuk just kind of look like that guy. Anyway, Boston. Nick Foligno signs, Linus Olmark, Eric Halla, Thomas Nosek, David Krejci retires, Halak signs in Vancouver, Tukarask is a huge question mark. There are a ton. There are like, maybe not a ton, but there are a few huge questions surrounding Boston this offseason when it comes to fantasy. Who takes the number two center spot? How does Linus Olmark do? And is Charlie McAvoy the top QB? He was in the playoffs. Let's start off with 2C. Who do you guys like there? Is it Eric Halla? Is it Charlie Coyle? Is it Nick Foligno? Who's 2C? It's a tough spot. I like Foligno, but... I was thinking that, too. I would love to see Nick Foligno there. I have a feeling they're going to go with switching between Coyle and Halla and Foligno until they hopefully get someone oh, to gel. Oh, fuck Eric Halla. <laughs> right? Hey, man. Fuck him. That's I don't bad. want him, but that's what they're going to do. So tired the depth they have this year, though, man, if they don't win this year, like, what the shit? Their team has not been getting better. Nah. They're, like, Char left, you know, they don't have that. It's just scrapping together a defense. Now I like their together. offensive depth, though. I love their offensive depth. Like, uh, losing Krejci is a huge, like, take taking one of your legs out from under you. Fucking A. Yeah. But the addition of Felino, as much as I don't like Eric Halla... It's a solid addition, especially for that piece of shit team. Like, he fits in perfectly. Oh, yeah. He'd be crunches. like Brad Marchand's little friggin' brother. He crunches. He crunches hard. I wonder, I mean, 
they got to get somebody to get Hall going is is what's going to dictate the whole That's, thing, I yeah. think. Yep. Yep, because this this is going to affect Hall huge. Like yeah, they're just going to swap like you said until they find chemistry. Could it be Jack Sednica? They're the number one prospect, you know? He's a center. Do they throw him in there? So again, a ton of question marks surrounding 2C the same way we were talking in Toronto, the number one left wing. I think there's a cycle here, but I do think I got Halla probably is number one. Like he gets first crack. Yeah. I want to see Felino, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a revolving door. The kind that spins around going into a hotel. It's got to be a circle door. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know who I'm most excited about on Boston? Linus Olmar. Jeremy Swayman. Fucking Derek Forbard, yo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. There's Not, a throwback. Swayman, though, actually, for real, I am very excited about him. Did you want to fawn over Forbord for a minute? Uh, not really. He's going to get lots of hits and blocks, and that's yes, he is. That's what it's going to happen. All right, goalie thing. Uh, Linus Olmark, he was pretty good on Buffalo, which makes me think that going to a better team, he's going to be better. But he's injury prone, so the door is still open for Swayman to get starts. Like this is going to be good for him because you don't want to throw this kid into a starting role early. Like don't Carter Hart the guy, Carter Hart the guy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you got Allmark signed to starters money, so he's going to be the starter. That's easy enough to kind of unwrap. But there's going to be periods of Olmark being hurt that Swayman's going to get some time. It'll probably wind up 60-40 by year's end, probably in large part to injury. But when Olmark's healthy, I'm thinking 75-25-ish. I agree with that absolutely numbers-wise, but like in a similar – it could be a similar split to like we were talking about with Toronto, but I think this is a comfortable split. I feel like Toronto's split is an uncomfortable situation, whereas this is like you got a rookie on his way up. It's a good it's a good, good combination, actually. I don't know how I feel if I had to put you know apples to oranges there. I definitely like Old Mark better than Mrazic. I just, I just mean like situation wise, it seems like if you, I hate to use the term being from Vancouver, but as a goalie controversy, I think Toronto's got a bit of that going on. Whereas I think this Boston pairing is like, it's going to be a, a pleasant pairing. You got uh, to find roles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel you. Let's talk about Charlie McAvoy killer in the playoffs. I think he had like eight points, eight power play points in 11 games or some shit. So uh, he was running the top power play, did well with it. Do they ration his minutes at even strength? Does Grizzly take it back? Or do you think that McAvoy finally gets his kind of day in the sun here? You got to give it to him, I think. You got to give him got to give him the shot, I think. He's so good defensively, but I mean, I think I think you got to give him the chance. Although Grizzly has been he's one of those guys I just I don't like it when he's doing well. I just don't want to think about picking him up ever but he does fill in pretty well they've never been shy about sliding him in there but i think you have to give mcavoy a good shot i'm not against having mcavoy there but i actually like matt grizzlick he gives me like josh morrissey vibes kind of a grizzlick fan i i don't i don't dislike him that's for sure i think that he is a player that you know can surprise you i think he's a player that you can definitely get on that that you can draft in like the uh the higher rounds where you won't have to pay 
you know, the price and can still get a a player that might be on one of the best uh, best power plays in the league. So I actually think that that could be incredibly interesting. If you can get if you can get him for a lower price, then awesome. He feels like insurance to me. Like you draft him if you're not totally sold that McAvoy is going to be the guy. I'm not. Are you totally sold? I was last year too. You know what I mean? Like he, I kind of thought McAvoy was going to be the guy last year, but Grizzly took it. So maybe it's just Groundhog Day with with McAvoy here, but. I know what you're going to say, but it's not even totally out of the question for Riley to get some looks if nothing's working. Yeah, he's got he's got a he's got a rocket. Top targets. Uh, I mean, we got the perfection line. We got Taylor Hall. For me, we got Charlie McAvoy. What do we think about these guys? Like Pasternak, just right back to where he was. Yeah, yeah. He is for me. Same for Marshand. We go Pasternak, then Marshand. Then I think Taylor Hall, I think, supplants Bergeron in the in that top three on Boston, at least in my eyes. Agreed. Uh, but Bergie would be uh, would be number four for me. And then that fifth spot is really kind of interesting. You kind of want to put whoever that, you know, top line power play quarterback is going to be. That's how I guess I would say would be my number five. Yeah. So McAvoy, Grizzlick. Riley, even whoever that is, and don't sleep on Craig Smith, just like usual. Yeah, he's he's, he's good. a solid deeper target. I mean, they got fucking love Craig Smith. I fucking love him. I want to talk about their top power play. Do we think Taylor Hall is a shoe in for it, or do they kind of like Felino would be a perfect Nick Ritchie replacement? Like, if he does he go net front, does Felino get number one power play? He's a Taylor banger. Hall's? He is a banger. Nick Felino bangs, dude. Yeah. And so was Richie. So I wonder if Felino gets, you know, kind of sheltered at even strength the same way Nick Richie did. Like that to me is just a mirror image. Like I can almost plug him in on the third line top power play. I feel like Felino is there for that. Uh, yeah. But if you have Taylor Hall on your team and he's not on the top power play, what what do you got him for, really? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's fair enough. You, you do want. I'll give you that. Yeah, you want. Yeah, Felino's pretty pretty rad though love the bangs craig smith like you're saying for a good deeper target matt grizzlick mike riley all these guys we've been talking about uh top prospects fabian lee sell fell to them i think it was at 20 or 21 apparently he's got like you know behavioral issues or some attitude whatever the fuck but i don't know if he's got a mean streak boston seems to be a good a good fit, and he kind of slots in as their one of their best prospects now. Jackson Nika starting to get some reps in the show. Good to go. Anything left in Boston, boys? I don't think so. Montreal. I'm wearing my Hub shirt. How about that? Uh, Carey Price is going to remain a <laughs> Montreal Canadian. No cracking for him. It, it turns out that that injury wasn't too big. And funny enough, the announcement came right after the expansion draft. Wow. <laughs> uh, Raj, you got Carey Price in our most recent uh, mock draft. You got him late, right? Uh, basically last round, yeah. Uh, second to last round. So I was wondering if there's going to be like recency bias there, and I guess fucking not, right? Like you got him late. Yeah, not in that league, that's for sure. But uh, I haven't looked. Um, I'm actually updating our 
our uh, ADP sheet tonight. I haven't looked through the whole thing to see where he's been going overall, but yeah, that was like round 15. Yeah, it was late. Um, late, late, late. Uh, they lost Philip Deneau, signed in L.A. Um, number one center, is it Nick Suzuki? Yes. Yes. Definitely. They want to hand over the reins, man. They want to go young. It's going to be the Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield show, man. Fucking A. And, I mean, and you got to wonder, are these guys going to just go out there and get their asses kicked? Because, I mean, people are going to go after them. They're going to have to skate around people. They're going to have no choice. People are going to go after them tough. Zach, you're a huge fan of Suzuki. 47 and 60. So am I, and, I, and I like Cole Caulfield, too. Well, yeah, that's what I said. I said, you're the big fan of Suzuki. I like the kid, but like you're, you know, you're a big fan. 47, 60-point paces through two seasons. What are your projections for him this year? 65. 65, yeah. I think Montreal is going to give us a 65-point player for once. 70. I think that what Nick Suzuki fuck? and Cole Caulfield, if, if they can stay if they can stay healthy, they are a fantastic duo. We saw what they can do in the playoffs. They play really well together. They play the very a very similar sort of game. It's very fast game and it's, you know, big on the rush. You know, diving into the scrums and, and into the board play and stuff like that. If Tyler Toffoli is going to be on that line, that's gonna be more his job. But I like Nick Suzuki. Yes, I do. I told that, what, a couple of years ago. We, we picked him up as like our, our very <laughs> last pick. Yeah, we're... And I thought that that was a fantastic last pick. I loved that last pick. I was so happy. Felt vindicated. Vindicators. There was tons of upside, but it was a you know, 47-point pace at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay, for a guy that, you know, you picked up with our... With, that we picked up with our last pick... You're telling me you're going to get 47 points out? I'm fucking in. I think this is going to be the first year where they have a proper top line that plays oh more than God. 16 minutes. And right? a like, top power play. Yeah. And a top power play. This is kind of where I wanted to steer us, but I'm so glad you brought that up. Shea Weber's gone. Mike Hoffman is kind of like an the afterthought. Power, the power play guy? Yeah. 43% of his goals over the last five years on the power play. 42% of all of his points on the power play. They don't have Shea Weber, so are they going to have Romanov, Romanov working power play two at 50%? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Do they go top power play, and does that benefit Foley? Does it benefit Hoffman, Caulfield, Suzuki, and Jeff Petrie? That is who I would have on my top power play. Here, here. They, they can do it. They can do it, right? Like They could, they could, they could actually have a power play. Not 50-50 mm-hmm. bullshit. They can give us one. They can do it. Yeah, Toffoli in there. I mean, they do have Gallagher if one of the younger guys doesn't perform or something. They have Josh Anderson, too. Man. They can still do a second power play. That's pretty mean. I mean, even if it was 60-40. I think Montreal has the capabilities finally, a good offensive first line and a good proper 60%, 65% power play. Give it to me. I want that. Like they've just been, they feel like a top six of like 50 to 60 point guys and a bottom six of 35 to 50. And that's it. All of them. They're all bangers too. So there's always something to be had there. I still hate losing Philip to though. Yeah. He was fun in Montreal, but I think he's going to be great in LA. Like, I think that's going to be solid. Uh, Cole Caulfield, man, he is being hyped up 
a crazy amount, especially by NHL.com. I mean, the amount they talk about him, you think he's the next Joel Kivaranta. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds that this, like, what are the odds that he somehow catches up to some of this hype? He's a 40-point pace player guy last year in the regular season, 49-point pace in the playoffs. And a lot of people are going to tell you that, oh, he was so great in the playoffs. 49-point pace. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, that don't impress me much. I'm giving him a 50 to 55 max. I think there's still like a, a plus there, you know, like he could go higher. Really, you really got some Shania Twain in you, don't you? Yeah, I was I was searching a little bit for that quote. <laughs> I'm not having the most my my memory's not fucking there. I'm fried, man. I've worked hundred and ten hours in the last ten days and finally going home tomorrow, so my brain's fried. If if he gets that top power play, sure. I think um the difference of what I think he's going to be and where he's going to be drafted is going to be crazy. Yes. I, I think he's going to be overdrafted for sure. Yeah, his hype is crazy. Suzuki is legit. Like, you're going to get what you pay for with him. I think Caulfield's still risky. Like, give him two years, and I think he's going to be a real, real player. But this year, uh, to me, is still too, too sketchy for, you know, he's probably going to go – two rounds maybe three rounds ahead of where i would want to take him mm-hmm. yes because of the because of the recency bias that we that we all talk about because everybody just saw him whooping up in the playoffs and were surprised as fuck at how well it actually seemed to work like don't get me wrong i like him but even i was surprised yeah and it feels a lot louder than just a 49 point pace like if you were to if you were to say like to somebody that didn't know he was a forty nine point pace player, how did Cole Caulfield do? Like what was his pace in the playoffs? So you're probably like, oh, seventy points, easy. Nope. Forty nine points. Yeah, according to Perfect. Twitter, he was friggin' Gretzky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think there's too much hype there. I want him on my team, but I'm gonna take him in the garbage rounds. I'm not taking him, yeah. you know, where he's probably gonna wind up ADP wise. So if he's there, go for it. But I just I think he's going to be one of those players that gets overdrafted. Jeff Petrie, I think, is going to be overdrafted too. Shea Weber being out for the season, I just don't know if if the unsustainability washes out with extra power play time, extra responsibility. Who knows? I mean, if you look at any like all of his stats, you look under the hood, every single one of them was unsustainable. IPP, he was in like elite forward territory, shooting percentage. Secondary assists, on ice shooting, you name it. Petrie was redlining. What do you guys have for Petrie next year? Sixty-three point pace career year for him. What does next year look like? I like Alexander Romanov. <laughs> Me too. I, I think Petrie is going to be more valuable, but I like yeah. the kid. I think at some point in time, it's going to be Romanov's shop. I think it, it's it's Jeff Petrie's job as of right now for that number one power play. But I think coming up here in the future, and it might even be this year, I think that Romanoff has a chance to take it. I t- definitely take the over on this year. Definitely. I don't know. I think Romanoff is really good, and we've seen him get power play time. He's definitely going to be slotted into that second power play, if nothing else. If Petrie gets hurt and Alexander Romanoff moves up there and plays really well... I could see that, you know, just being his from now on. That could Romanov happen. Romanov is good, man. 
He's good, uh, but he did get ripped off power play two last year. They were going Petrie and Weber on power play one. That's the only reason. Well, that's because you had Weber in the mix. Weber is not going to be in the mix, as we all know. Yeah. And maybe it's Sherratt. Like, let's not forget about Sherratt. He's got Uh, upside. Like, he's he's fine. He bangs. But I think, you know, in a situation where the coach just needs to go with trust, maybe Sherratt gets power play, too. Right now, I got Romanov there, too. I think so. I mean, Sherratt had six points in in the season last year. <laughs> okay. So. All right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, w- what are our projections for Petrie? I got him for like 50 to 55. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go with that. Stellar bangs. He always bangs. You know what they needed was more bangs. So they got David Savard. God. <laughs> like, Solid pickup. Buying all the bangs in Montreal. But. They're a hard team to play. Yeah, he's definitely Savard will not be competing for any of these power play slots. So who's your number one on this team? Nick yes. Suzuki? Are are we all in agreement that Nick Suzuki is the number one pick? I'm weird because I think like you could pick any of. You're of taking their- Tyler Toffoli with the the first, second, and third pick. I could. And then what I have here is like you could just you very could name any player. And then Toffoli again at number five. All right, like let me go. <laughs> If you could, let me talk. If you say any player, I would agree with you. Like, you could convince me that Jeff Petrie is the number one pick here. If we're only Somebody. drafting Montreal. I, I, hope, Somebody. I hope I can't. You have had a long week. If, if I can convince you that Jeff Petrie Dude, is the number one player. Any single one of these players right now could be the top target. Any of them. Nick Suzuki, Jeff Petrie, Brendan Gallagher, Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson, Mike Hoffman. Like, there is an avenue and an argument for each one of these players because that's who Montreal is. They're, they roll lines so evenly. So it's, it's going to play out the way it's going to play out. But as of right now, if they go into next year with the same model they had this year, you could convince me of any single one of their players being the top target. I'm not talking like Arturi Lekkinen or whatever, but you want to try and tell me it's going to be Cole Caulfield? Fine. Go ahead. You draft him first. It's not going to be me that drafts him first, but fine. I'm proud. For me, it's Petrie. Petrie is the number one target here. And then Suzuki, really close behind him. I got Petrie up first. I'd agree, but switch them. I, I want Suzuki more just because I'm getting high on him as well. One guy I wanted to, well, I guess you'd stick to the order, but I, I got a question for you after. I, I, I'm going to go Suzuki with Petrie right on his tail. Thank you. Whatever. Whatever, guys. What's your question? Do we see Gallagher get more useful again? Ah, great question. Um, yes. Remember how the Tatar, Gallagher, and Deneau line was like the most insane possession line over the last three years? Both those guys are gone. Yeah. So possession probably goes out the window unless he can find the same chemistry somewhere else. I think we get the bangs right back. And what, now he's just going to be a Brad Marchand-esque player? Kind of like a you know a soft core Brad Marchand. He bangs. Yeah, he, I like him. He takes a ton of shots. You know, he's probably good for forty-five to fifty points. I, I feel like they're all fifty to sixty-point guys. All of them. All of them. Toffoli, fifty to sixty. Petrie, fifty to sixty. Suzuki, fifty to sixty. Gallagher, fifty to sixty. Anderson, eh, maybe not that high, but dude, they're all. Cedric Paquette is the number one player. Can I talk you into it? <laughs> no. No. I mean, like, you know, 
they're relatively top targets. I, I feel like any of them could be the guy. That's just the way it's going to be. I have one more question. One more question. Let's hear it. Realistically, how many goals do you see for Toffoli this year? 25. I was going to say 22, so I think we're you know right around there. So less, less than the shortened season. Yes. How many times does he play Vancouver? He only needs to play him a couple times to load up on goals, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, last year was his unsustainable shooting percentage here. I, I think he goes back down, you know, 25. Seems seems right to me. Fair. I just don't want him to do well for all, <laughs> one very specific reason. <laughs> but uh, That's kind of mean, Raj. That's, that's unrequited. Hey. Hate hey. is still passion. It is. No, I think he was definitely, like you said, right? Like he's had a bit of a, a shooting percentage bender, but only against certain teams. And it yeah, was hot and cold. But I, I was actually thinking higher than you guys. I was going to say 25 to 30. Hmm. If he's playing with that Suzuki-Caulfield line like he was, and it goes off. So there's a lot of ifs, but I think he yeah he could do well. And that's the whole thing to hear, too, is like if they go the same way they did last year, 50 to 60 is all across the board. If we get a top line and a top power play, I'm with you guys. I think Suzuki could be 65 plus. You know, I think he's easy. The first guy off the board, especially in like face offs. You know, if you're in a face off league and stuff, fine. But again, that's what I mean. Like you could you could convince me that he's the number one pick. It's easy. But I think. Jeff Petrie, scarcity at D. I think you could, you know, easily argue that Jeff Petrie, as a defenseman, putting up 55 points and great bangs is probably the first Montreal Canadian off the board. Done deal. That's curtains on the Atlantic, boys. So once again, we are recruiting for our five-hole fantasy hockey listener leagues. So hit us up in DM. Hit us up on Discord. Email us at fhfradio at gmail.com. And join the Discord. Follow us on Twitter at FHF Hockey. And have a great day. Have a great weekend, guys. Have some fun. Love you. Love you. Love you.